Hey Rebels, my name is Matthew Barton, and I'm the host of the Rebellion Brewing Podcast. Today, I'm proud to welcome Chef Malcolm Craig back to the podcast. I've been a fan of his food for years, and his influence on this city's culinary scene cannot be understated. Not a word of a lie, some of the best meals I've had in my life are straight from the hands and the mind of Chef Malcolm Craig and his team. Today, he's slinging English-style pies at his shop, which is located a convenient less than five minute drive away from the tap room at 3241 Saskatchewan Drive. I think it's important to note he's not just about meat pies and fine dining, he has a strong grasp of craft beer. When Malcolm shares his opinions on food and beer, I'm all ears. So let's get into it. Chef, welcome to the show. Well, I'm blushing, actually, after that introduction. Thank you. (laughs) High praise indeed. That was awesome. Thanks. Well, when you feed me food that tastes that great, I mean, it earns that that level. And and leave ingredients out for you as well so that you can actually enjoy it properly. Although you did not tell me about a couple of the other ingredients that were in there. (laughs) When I read your post, I'm like, hmm... Okay, you should have told me that because I could have left them out. I hope he's not going to fall over in a coma from hating that. (laughs) For the sake of the listeners, I have a number of food allergies, and I asked you to make some specialty pies just for me, accounting for those allergies, except I neglected to mention that I have a carrot allergy. And And celery, I think it was. Celery. Yeah, yeah. But the nice thing is if I load up on antihistamines for a couple days, I'll be okay. Sounds like a lot to go through just to eat a pie. But they're that good. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> like, I, I was looking at them and smelling it and cutting into it, and everything about that experience took me right back to my Grandma Barton's table. It was That's, just like, thank you, chef. That is what I, you know, ultimately, that is, I think, what I try to achieve with any of the food that I make, whether it's a a meat pie or you know an up class dish in a restaurant that includes lamb that people generally around here aren't too fond of but fools i i know but i i have over the years managed to change people's minds on lamb um it's not everybody's favorite and i get it it can have a more kind of a gamey taste than maybe some people are used to but if it's cooked properly and prepared properly you can get rid of that gaminess and just have that nice lamb flavor that isn't disgusting it, you know which you know how people have said to me are oh, i've i haven't eaten lamb since my my mother or my grandmother made it for us and as kids and it was gross then it had it was really fatty it was this it was that and and you tell them after the meal that they've just eaten that they've just had a really nice piece of lamb they're like what and that <laughs> I never had lamb taste like that. I'm like, I know. <laughs> so, you know, to have people get back to me and, and say stuff like that, that's, I mean, I think we mentioned this on the last show as well. The reason why we, why, reason why I started the pie shop initially, I guess, was A, for comfort food for myself, being selfish that I am sometimes, but steak and kidney pies, like, I, it's one of my all time favorites. Uh, of all the pies and whenever we go home to the UK uh, to take the kids home to meet relatives that they don't remember or have never met before um, my first port of call is a pub 
that does a good steak and kidney pie and a good pint of bitter and then I'm set for the day I'm happy I don't need to go anywhere else after that for the rest of the two weeks or three weeks that we're away on vacation as long as I get my my steak and kidney pie and pint of bitter fix I'm I'm good (laughs) since last we had you on the podcast it feels like a lot has happened You've been doing breakfast pies with us. I saw you're now at Alina's shop, Takeaway Gourmet. You're still doing Italian Star. Where else have you added? Um, well, we took on quite a few other places. Um, all three Sherwood co-ops. Uh, we're, we're in all of those now, um, through Regina at least. Uh, there may be some other stuff coming up in the next few months hopefully if we can sort out some logistics but we'll get into that another time and hopefully i'll be a little bit busier again (laughs) but not saying that we're not busy we are busy but uh lakeview fine foods we're in as well um uh, body fuel organics north side market uh up on the north side there along rochdale again with uh just across the street actually from the the mall grocery co-op out there well, what the heck was with those mac and cheese pies those looked pretty fun well it was we had had um someone had brought them up in a email to me um it usually starts with scotch pies people want their scotch pies which basically are usually a ground lamb or more readily available ground beef but it's a different kind of pastry they're a little flatter than the way i make my pies um, and it kind of morphed from that to something else. Well, they then asked, well, have you ever done a macaroni pie? I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I have, but I will look it up and see. And when you actually look, there is um, about three or four different varieties of macaroni pie or macaroni cheese that are kind of used in these kind of traditional pies again with a different pastry so uh, this pastry we used uh, was um, like almost like a hot water pastry in that we used lard instead of butter now we could have used vegetable shortening because straight away as soon as I start putting stuff like mac and cheese on I get all the vegetarians coming up and asking me oh is this vegetarian no the pastry sorry (laughs) Um, so we do we have now taken on um, getting like a vegetable shortening so that we can now do vegetarian-ish pies. They're not going to be vegan because obviously I like to have my butter in there, but uh, um, it will be vegetarian uh, with the mac and cheese. But that's essentially how it came to be. There's the Scottish version, which is what I've kind of themed mine on, which is why I used the beer that we did uh, with the amber ale in the in the cheese sauce, the rebellion, the amber rebellion ale. amber ale, yeah, which worked very very well actually. Um, so we'll be using that again because I've still got a couple of cans of that, and I'm thinking maybe for this weekend we'll we'll get some more of those going. But we did uh, like the traditional uh, mac and cheese pie where we made uh, blind baked um, pastry shells, then we filled that with the mac and cheese, and then we put cheese over the top and then rebaked it so that all that cheese just went all down through into the macaroni and that worked amazing. What about bacon? Are you adding bacon on those? Didn't add any bacon to those ones, no. But funny that you mentioned that because straight away Simon and I both looked at each other and said, yeah, you know what would go well with this? Sriracha and bacon. (laughs) (laughs) 
So we're straight away already thinking on that. But I, I feel we probably have too much bacon on our meat pies and on our menu anyways. But at the same chef. time, it's uh, I, I don't think you could ever have too much on there. Um, One of the finest ironies of my life is I love bacon. I love meat. I make fun of vegetarians and vegans. But now that I've discovered some of the food allergies and food issues I've had, because there are lactose-free, dairy-free options because of vegetarians, I'm able to eat healthier and better yeah. and a more diverse diet. Yeah. So it's, it's like, oh, man, you guys win in the end. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, I guess, in the end, they win. But uh, <laughs> i got to say thank you to vegans. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to apologize for bacon. <laughs> Don't ever apologize for bacon uh, until someone actually makes a proper substitute for bacon, which... You know, at the end of the day, if you're going to make a substitute, why, why not just eat bacon? It's, I don't get it myself, <laughs> but you know. One of the funny things that I learned about beer is it is primarily a vegan product. There are no uh, animal products in the beer that Rebellion is making, except when we're doing lactose beers. And then you're going to have milk products. Yeah, I, I think there's a very fine line, because what about yeast? <laughs> I guess it depends on your definition of yeast. Yeah, I mean, is it plant? Is it animal as a living organism that does its fantastic stuff? Like, where do we... I don't think it's classified as... Uh, so I'm just going to leave that one on the table for you. <laughs> now, you know, now you have to do some more research and think, ah, oh, damn it, yeast. We've debated that in the back, but for now for our core beers that don't have lactose in them mm. we're classifying them as vegan <laughs> and that's fine I, like but yeah that when when someone said oh all our beers are uh, are like they're vegan beers um and then someone put their hand up and said well what about yeast <laughs> and then i st i started thinking like yeah what about yeast <laughs> like where does that lie in there so i don't know don't know well for you we've got a brand new beer. We literally tapped it about an hour ago. It's called Cherry Bliss. It's 4.9% ABV. We're describing it as, well, you know what? I'm not going to tell you what we're describing it as. I just want you to taste it and tell me what you think. And did you notice I, I actually started to put my hands around it to warm it up a little bit because I wanted some flavors to st start bursting out. Like I, I like cold beer, but sometimes with these... Um, especially with lambics and things like that you want those other kind of aromas to come through and so i wanted to see how much cherry you said is going to actually come through so what cherries are used in this we used sour cherries from over the hill orchards in lumsden saskatchewan ah dean <laughs> he's a great guy i love the way that he's so enthusiastic about everything he grows out there the um you're right about bringing the temperature up we recommend for our sour red, which we aged in barrels, pour it, give it 15 minutes, and then drink it. Yeah. We are required by law to serve beer and store beer at a certain temperature. Yeah. But personally, I think you should let your beer come up to temperature a little bit just okay. to get the extra aroma and flavor that you might miss out. So that being said, what if you had pitchers of beer that were half pulled that were sitting under the counter ready to go so that when 
people were ready to drink beers, this one in particular, for example. Uh, then you pour uh, beer off into the pitcher, and then from that pitcher, then you do people's glasses. So it's already up to a certain temperature at that point. I would say when we've done that, it's usually when it's like a crazy, insane, packed zoo in here, and we can't move fast enough, so we have to do pitchers. But typically, it's just single pole, single pint okay. each time. Because I've been one of my f- most favorite experiences actually of drinking beer, because uh, I do drink beer, and when I'm in the mood for it, I drink a lot of it. But um, m- m- one of my most memorable experiences, we used to drink in this pub in Bath um, called the Star. I want to say the Star. It might have been the old Star, but I'm pretty sure it was just the Star. And it was one of the only pubs, uh, not just in Bath, but in the UK, that had the five original rooms in it. So you had a snug, you had a game room, you had a gentleman's ro- a, a room for women then, I guess, back in the day, or ladies, should I say. <laughs> uh, and then you had the public bar. Um, there was like five different areas that were, and a snug. I want to I say there was a snug. What is a snug? It's just a tiny little area that had like a little glass slidey door that you could then order your beers. It would be right next to the bar, but you would be shut off from the bar, so to speak. And you would slide the glass over and... Be served order from the outside of the restaurant? Uh, fr- from, from the pub. The pub? No, no, you were, you were all in, in the pub, but you were just off the bar. So say like, this is the bar, there would be a wall here with a glass frosted glass in it so people couldn't see who was in there until you slid the door and then you would order your beers and then the beers would appear in front of the glass and you would take your beers and pay your money and shut the door again and carry on with your drinking is that like a prohibition era kind of thing no why just, not just sit at the bar or it just bar? was uh just one of those things they just had a little section off that and i'm not sure if it was um maybe to do with smoking um at the time there was like an area that you could go that wasn't full of smoke kind of thing um hence the name snug and there might have been a like a open fire or something now i could be way off on that but lots of lots of these little pubs traditionally would have had a couple of fires in there at some point for for keeping you warm during those cooler evenings and whatnot but my original point is the experience um, they would have um, pitchers of beers already lined up underneath the bar that they had drawn off so that they were already coming up to room temperature so they were already then in different stages of warmness when you first got there and then when you ordered your beer they would just pour it from the pitcher rather than draw it off the off the tap but I thought I've always thought that was just such a great idea, and I don't know if you've if you ever drunk um, in Irish pubs at all. Um, tradi- Not yet. Traditionally, they would have a like a a half pint glass, but with a quarter pint of Guinness poured in it. So when you went in and ordered your pint of Guinness, while you waited for that to be poured, they would just pop this up on the counter for you, so that you had. A little drink to get on with before your pint got to the bar. That's awesome. Yeah, 
Uh, I've only seen that maybe t- maybe in two different places, but that's not that's not as common anymore. Obviously, with the coldness of beers that people like. Were they drawing the beer into those pitchers with a beer engine from a cask, or was it a system like ours, which is uh, they were drawing it from a cask? So the cellar was underneath underneath the bar and off I, I believe in that particular pub I think the cellar was actually um, off to the front so whenever you walked in you were literally walking above the cellar um, and then they would they would have wooden wooden casks uh, that they were drawing off like proper pull pumps rather than motorized yeah I think that might have been one of the reasons they probably pre-port then because those engines take a bit of time, a bit of work. They can make them quite foamy sometimes as well if you're not pouring it properly. Right. And I've talked to guys who are very serious about those casks, and they think it's a it's a better beer, it's a better pour. Um, At least that's their argument. Uh, I would say the only advantage to that would that it it gives you a. It gives you a better flavor. Um, like it, it allows the, the beers to evolve as they're being pulled that way, I think. Whereas these days, I think probably with the, uh, is it? I think it's carbon dioxide, is it, that you have to push that through? I yes. think that can interfere, A, with the flavors, but sometimes with the pouring of the beers as well like you can sometimes have some quite explosive effects when pouring that especially with a fresh keg or a fresh bottle of the gas going on so but um i you know those nitro canisters yeah they put in cans yeah we've done nitro beers here and you can definitely tell there's a muted aroma but a creaminess is added to the mouth oh for sure yeah i mean Guinness obviously have been doing those for for years with their widgets that they that they, everyone knew them as, uh, and then it seemed like everyone was doing them. Then Boddingtons and Beamish and yeah. Murphys and all those other kind of stouts were doing that then, which, you know, it's great, but you can't beat a, a nice Guinness that's poured from a bottle or from a, an old school can that looks like a proper stout. You know, it just just makes it something's missing. Something's missing. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to say something before I interrupted you about uh, nitro, or we can get I? back to talking about the cherry beer. Because I think we should get back to talking <laughs> to the cherry beer because I, I seem to have gone way off on a couple of other tangents there, and then started asking you some questions. And well, give another give another sip there. Yeah, I find it usually takes me about three sips for my palate to adjust to sour beers. Yeah, but then once I get there, I I understand it better. Well, it's it's definitely not one that's making me kind of wince. I'm not winking at you across the table because <laughs> the beer is making me do that. So that's a good that's a good thing. It does contain lactose, which would be part of the reason you're not feeling your jaw slam into the back of your head. And that's good too. But I'm I'm getting a lot of kind of like it's not just the sours coming off the cherries now. Um, I think it's it's being evened out. There's different underlying flavors that are coming through I'm, I'm getting some vanilla and definitely some kind of like toffee and caramel on the back there as well but that could be just coming from from the vanilla anyways playing off with the cherry it could be that i that big 
mug of sweet coffee that I had before I came over is also playing around a bit on there as well so I'll, I'll warm it up a little bit more and then we'll try a bit again but um, no the flavours are definitely a lot smoother than some sours I've had for sure I was talking with Zal and Vanessa who are kind of the, the brewmasters, the progenitors this was something they wanted to try and they were very concerned about using whole cherries instead of a cherry puree because when you puree the cherries you're you're um you're affecting the way the yeast is going to behave mm -hmm. the surface area what might be living on the fruit on the fruit they're very concerned about any bacteria that might be introduced any yeast that might be introduced yeah from the fruit that could throw off their intended outcome for the beer so they were very concerned and watching it and i think but would you not get that anyway from a puree like or is the puree cooked in any way i think some of them might be i i couldn't say for sure but i think the purees are treated right to kill off any of those yeah that would make sense to prevent spoilage what about the pits though because i know that if this is like a sour cherry you said you used in this those pits are quite small aren't they and can be quite quite bitter as well as the pit, the cherries being that kind of sour did they have any issues with that as well because it seems to be not too bad i don't know if they pitted them or if they pitted them by hand or if they just threw them in whole i yeah. didn't um I didn't and then mash them up yeah but uh i do know that they came from frozen yeah yeah dean is usually pretty good about uh, harvesting and then freezing everything as quickly as possible well when you got uh summers as short as they are and winters as long as they are you've got to get everything harvested quickly and treated properly right we're going to be bringing a bunch of his fruit in this summer mm. and you're going to see more of this sour series of beers where we're experimenting and playing with those different types of fruits yeah one of the big ones we did last year was pineapple and yep. we're definitely doing that one again okay like people went nuts for it we did a mango and it yep. was i think it was fantastic but um, it didn't sell as fast, so we might not do it, just depending on what's available. I think it, it's a hit and miss with the with those kind of fruits as well. People are still a little bit wary of mangoes, I think, uh, mostly because of how to prepare them, whereas a pineapple you can just peel and chop and away you go. But a mango you have to work your way around that big, huge stone in the middle of it and then peel it and do all kinds of stuff to... So just before you can eat it but yeah a pineapple you can just kind of cut into quarters and chow down so i think there's a little bit of a thing with that with people realizing that maybe it's a, a preparation thing which you know for as far as beer goes it's not really their worry or concern because the work's already done right it's made it to beer already <laughs> what do you think uh, about this beer thumbs up thumbs down maybe in the middle I'm really enjoying it actually. Uh, I have. It's taken a long time for me to kind of get into sours, uh, personally, um, and I don't think it's uh, anything to do with the sour beer itself. It just, I'm not a big fan of that um, making you kind of wince kind of thing. You know, when you give your kid a, a wedge of lime just so that you can see them do that funny face. That's what I would do with some sours, and I, I, I don't think I 
originally was a, a big fan of sours, um, but there's a few kettle sours out there right now that uh, are doing really well. And when the mood strikes on a nice hot sunny day, if I've got a couple of cans of those hitting around in the in the cooler, guaranteed I'm going to pull one of them out because I want that refreshing zap of goodness, right? <laughs> and it is a zap. <laughs> One thing I noticed uh, throughout last summer with kettle sours was I was getting kind of a corn character out of uh, some beers, depending on the brewery. Yeah. Um, when I was talking, you know, I was like, are they putting corn into the beer or is that corn syrup? And the way it was explained to me is uh, the yeast and the, the chemistry that's going on can confer that kind of corny sweetness and it's not unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hadn't really noticed it in too many of the sours last year, um, but the only time I've, I've really, and it really did prominently uh, slap me in the face, was this um, uh, Mill Street Organic Lager. When we, when we were at the brewer- actually at the brewery in uh, Toronto one time, and they poured a fresh glass of that for us, my initial reaction was like i I feel like i'm drinking a glass of buttered popcorn on this one oh no it was intentional um i don't know if it was intentional but it just had that real popcorny taste to it and it's not a bad thing and now every time when i crack a bottle of that open that's all i taste is buttered popcorn which is which is a good thing if it's supposed to taste like that It's a lager. It's organic. I'm not worried. <laughs> that was just that was just the initial flavor that came off it. And again, probably that same kind of reaction that you were saying. That it's just that's just how it is. Um, it doesn't have corn in it, as far as I know. It's still brewed in a traditional way. It's just well, hopefully they're lager. not having a diacetyl problem. No, it just is always the way that it's always that way. Oh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't just a one-off. The, the the bartender at the time just said oh yeah that's that's how it is that's how it works I know for some styles that is intentional they, they try to do that but other times it's like a big no no yeah getting diacetyl in your pop, in your popcorn in your beer yeah. is a, a big slap on the hand but yeah. I guess it depends I don't know <laughs> so tell me about that salmon risotto because those pictures man like my stomach is rumbling. I'm like, I gotta stop looking at this friggin' photo. It just looks gorgeous. How you you plated it? I was like, damn it! I gotta eat that, that guy. He always does that. Well, again, you wouldn't be able to eat that because it was laced with cheese and butter and all kinds of bad things for you. But um, well, my wife. I don't know if we told you, but uh, Sarah had been off sick for a few days last week. She was not uh, the best. She'd got picked up this chest infection and hopefully it wasn't the coronavirus or nothing it was no no it wasn't no it's uh, just just one of those little bugs that's been going through the house it started with the kids and i started getting a little bit of it and then it didn't really do anything for me but she got it um and then that was it she was down for the count so she needed a little bit of a pick me up is what i thought and so that's what we did i did the did the prawn my my famous prawn risotto with um uh, parmesan cheese in there and some peas uh, and then did a I, I i wanted to do something a little different i normally do like a like a heavy sear on the on the salmon get it nice and crispy on the skin and then flip it real quick finish it on the on the top 
so that it's just cooked, nice medium rare in the middle. Um, but uh, this time I, I thought, well, I'll take the skin back a little bit and just roll it in, in, in itself, roll it back inside out, I guess, tied it, and then just let it sit for about an hour, just on about 150, 200 degrees in my little skillet there, and that was that. So I let that finish off. And then a little bit of fillet steak just on the side, finished with a little bit of uh, fig balsamic reduction is what I went for on that one. It looks so good, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that, well, we actually had it for two days after that as well, because we had it. What did we do on? I think we just had it as straight uh, salmon and prawn risotto uh, with some like a vegetable hash on the side for Saturday night's dinner for me and Sarah. And then on Sunday for breakfast, I made little patties out of it and then just fried that and put a, put a fried egg on the top. <laughs> And some wilted spinach underneath it. Yeah. Man, my, my stomach's aching. I, already, <laughs> I had lunch and I want to eat again. <laughs> Do you have any new pie offerings coming out? Or are you iterating, experimenting, or is it just you're, you've got your classic core lineup figured out and that's it? Um, we're always trying new things, right? That's warmed up real nice. Sorry, talking about the, going back to the beer again now, <laughs> but it's warmed up really nicely now. And I'm getting a whole different flavor of proper cherry now it's not like kind of sour cherry anymore it's got more yeah now i'm salivating <laughs> <laughs> cherry boom cherry boom yep um as far as pies go like we're always trying to find new new things to to do with pies um we did what we called a, a lancashire butter pie the other week um those pictures dude yeah yeah, those those worked out fairly well. I would like, I need them to be more packed so that the pastry doesn't kind of shrink away so much. Um, but they they worked out very well. It, lots of people who had them got back to me and said it was it took them back like much like that pie you had last week took them back to uh, their mother or their grandmother's uh, pierogies that they used to have when they were kids uh, with the potato and the onion and the butter um, but in pastry and baked that way they, they, they just thought that was the best thing ever and I'm like okay but again could have got away with putting some bacon in there again and doing that and then making it more like a, a, a pierogi because lots of people that I know um, will fry onions in butter and then throw some crispy bacon into the onions and stuff so that when the pierogies are done uh, blanched they'll throw those in that mix as well and finish them off in that butter and onions and bacon and that's that's how you get them served now i think if we can encompass that into um a pie i think we'll be on to a winner but i've been having a lot of fun playing around with those um uh, terrines like the the loaf tin that we did just with the garnishes and stuff on the top and just playing around with different styles of pastry to make things work. I noticed nicer. you had, was it a scoring or a separation? Like you had a lattice work cover on We did a separate piece of uh, pastry and cut lattice into it. Yeah, so we so we make the, the mold, then we fill it all with our filling, put a topping on it, and then before we do any crimp, I'll roll out another thinner piece of the pastry and Simon I'll attest to this as well painstakingly with a piece of wood will or a rolling pin for example we'll just take a little knife and just score down through the pastry using the 
the edges as my uh, my guide to make None sure. None of this I'm, is automated. It's it's no, handcrafted. It literally everything that we do in the shop is literally handmade. It's not just a clever sign. We actually do make it handmade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That attention to detail is uh, fantastic. Yeah, I like that you're willing to commit to that level of attention. And it's for a pie. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You're taking people back to their childhood. And that's And when that's you're good. telling me about that Lancashire pie with that potato, I'm like, can he do that with a lactose-free version? Or can you share that recipe with my wife and she can figure it out? We could, um, like, I could probably... There's probably ways of doing it without using any butter in the mix at all. Uh, I don't know if I would go like a a shortening road with that, just because I'm not a bit I'm not a big fan of the shortening, whether it's uh, lard or the vegetable shortening. Um, I like the flavour that butter gives, and that's why I, and that's why I use it as much as I do. Yeah. Um, but you're not hurting I, my feelings, man. Like I know, no, butter I know. is a magical thing. I know. That. I'm so sad. I I have to miss out. But now that there's lactose-free butter options, yeah, then is there, there is that option as well. Now, that being said, the pastry that we use with that, so we could still do the half and half with the uh, vegetable shortening and then the lactose-free butter in it too. It's it's all about the flavor, right? So I wouldn't want to lose that. And then yeah, you could just layer those potatoes up with those onions, and away you go. Okay, I'm I'm going to the store. I'm getting some lactose-free butter. I'm gonna be like, this <laughs> is Max butter for Max Lancashire pies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Self-indulgent. He he needs this. He needs this. <laughs> I, I I could share the recipe with your wife, but then I'd have to shoot her. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a joke. She's quite pleased that you follow her on Instagram. She has. Uh, from time to time posted her own variant recipes yep. of dishes that she makes for us. Yep. Whether it's ranging from flatbread pizza, lasagna, these amazing pierogies that she's mastered from my, my grandma's recipe book, you know? Yeah. Like my whole family, they're like, oh, no one could ever do grandma's pierogies. And so we, we got the boys and us and we, we had a little assembly line at our kitchen table. And I swear when my mom and aunt came and ate those pierogies, they were like, this is just like mom's. There you go. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. That's perfect. Like, she's a saint and my wife is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that she's, uh, she's happy with the way that uh, things are going with, uh, with those and able to accommodate uh, to, to help you out with, with your diet needs as well, right? It's, that's always good. Um, Sarah doesn't have any dietary needs. She just she just has dislikes of most of the food that I like to eat. <laughs> mushrooms being the, the primary one. And I, oh. I'm a huge fan of mushrooms, but yeah. she she won't go near them. Uh, and I can hide them in any anything, and she'll find it and pull it out. She's like, "Are you trying to poison me?" <laughs> and it's not an allergy. She just doesn't like it. But there's there's quite a few things, and I'm still learning. Like there's there's certain things I'll put into something. She says, yeah, I don't don't really care for that. Well, what do you mean you don't care for that? So I've never really said that I really liked it, and I'm saying that now. So, <laughs> like, have you played with any of those Saskatchewan chanterelles and morels? From like uh, when I was working at the the Willow and Wascana, we used to get them in quite regularly. Someone would just drop off a couple of bags at the thing and either get a meal for it or payment. But uh, yeah, other than that, I. I haven't really 
I haven't really gone out looking for them um, up until about three years ago. I haven't seen them since, but we, I was out in my backyard at the cabin just uh, having a little route around. All of a sudden, I came across some morels in the back uh, in the backyard there, and I was like, I had no idea. And I've never seen them since, so oh, I, no. don't know if, I don't know if I pulled them wrong or whatever, but I, I was very careful about how I was harvesting because <laughs> I wanted them to come back but no, they uh, never came back <laughs> heartbreaking <laughs> yeah, heartbreaking yeah. do you think you might try to do a Saskatchewan themed pie with Saskatchewan ingredients there's always options for, for that to happen um, I guess kind of like with uh, with our pierogi fillings and stuff that we that we have done in the past um, to do uh, pierogies I guess uh, with all and and not pierogies but like pies with uh, that, sh- that are shaped kind of like a pierogi and with those fillings in much like we just described about the the Lancashire butter pie in that it, it was like a pierogi filling um, absolutely we can play around with some bits and pieces like that um, I would like to see more freshwater fish being used pickerel in exa- for example um, but it's expensive and unless you're catching it yourself like I'm, I'm trying to get myself out onto the lake so that we can go do a bit of ice fishing um, uh, in the next couple of weeks because uh, the family's going away f- f- on a vacation so I'm basically left here by myself to play and um, if if I can get out onto the ice and, and get some freshwater fish going then uh, that would be something uh, for sure I would like to play around with and pike uh, like the northern pike jackfish um, that's another one uh, perch as well I like the meatiness of perch uh, going into various dishes um, and I think pike can be sometimes a little underrated uh, for its meat um, I generally don't go for it because it's a pig to prep there's <laughs> so many bones in there and I get halfway down through the back and I'm like yeah I'm done with this already <laughs> and I usually just cut the tail off and but don't tell anyone else that but I usually just cut the tail off and get all that nice flesh from around that tail end and then uh, let my father-in-law deal with the rest who is equally as bad and then <laughs> blames me for all the bones in the fish when he when he starts pulling bones out like I don't catch jackfish and keep it you do <laughs> and that's the deal if you catch the jackfish and you want to keep it you prep it I'm not touching it <laughs> is he still helping you at the pie shop? Uh, every now and again uh, they're they're actually away right now as well so uh, I've got about five weeks without them being around so that's why my day today has been a little bit disjointed because we've had the kids to drop off at school and daycare and normally I would just drop Brianna off at the pa- grandparents and <laughs> leave her there for the hour or so before school and they would run her over but uh, yeah well it's, it's awesome to have that kind of support oh know. for sure yeah yeah and I, I, what I like as well is um, every Sunday we try and do a, a dinner for each other so like we, we try and keep that kind of family unit thing uh, to a Sunday so we all sit down and discuss the week or what's coming up for the week coming and and uh, yeah we get the four of us there and we all have a few drinks and sometimes it's a few drinks too many and (laughs) 
someone is about to stagger out the house and walk home and then oh. Uber is there. <laughs> Uber is nice. <laughs> With all these new restaurants opening in Regina, this is going to be my last question for you. With all these new restaurants opening in Regina, is anyone really impressing you? Is anyone uh, kind of standing out above the pack that you just like, hey, you guys should check this out. Chef Malcolm approved. Um, I think Sky uh, out by the Science Center there with Chef Milton and his wife. Um, they're, they're doing some amazing stuff. And uh, I actually praised him online the other day when he, he was doing something. <laughs> and his plates, they make all their own plateware or have made their own plateware. Uh, they've got a, a little pottery room and a kiln and stuff and they, they go off and make plates and decorate them and put them in the restaurant. And I was like, okay, that's that's above and beyond now <laughs> but yeah I, I think his his place out there and I've always said that his his food has been amazing uh, ever since he was at the Hotel Sask and then he went to the golf course and now he's doing his own thing uh, with the wife there and I think that's it's just uh, amazing um, other than that I've not really haven't really been out anywhere uh, having the two kids that we do and trying to run your own business it's a bit difficult to try and get out but uh, um, Avenue my wife raves about that place she's been down there a couple of times for lunch and has had some some excellent meals down there I've yet to try it we um, did a seven course beer dinner with them oh yeah and it was it was fun yeah they I drank and ate so much I was I was distended it's hard not to though on those kind of events though right it's uh like we always used to have that when we were at beer brothers too when we were doing the five or seven or ten course tasting menus all paired with a only a small glass of beer but people would have pints of beer or their favorites at the table as well so you do your little talks and try your little bits and pieces of of whatever as they were going through and yeah, yeah there was a, a, a one guy i remember we used to call him Mohawk Mike, and he—he's a—I wouldn't say he was massive. He's a well-built chap, portly, one might say. Um, and I—I'd I'd snuck out to grab myself a quick half a pint in between courses, and as I did, I saw him wandering up the corridor and wandering back again. He's like, "Oh, chef, chef, this has been an amazing evening, but I had to come out for a break." It's all too much for me. I was like, what's the matter with you, Mike? Come on. He went, no, no, I'll be good. I just need to have a breather, and then I'll be back in there, and I'll finish the meal. <laughs> I was like, okay, then. But, yeah, I know what you mean. When you when you get those even just a three- or five-course tasting and you throw beer on top as well, which can obviously bloat you a little bit uh, more than you actually realize at the time, those uh, those kind of tasting menus can be a little daunting at times <laughs> I feel like they're less about feeding yourself to like be fed but more about just the experience and then sharing it with good friends and that's the way it should be it's, it shouldn't be like feeding yourself like gorging yourself like a you know a Roman orgy where you just feed yourself stupid and off to the vomitorium to get rid of it all and then come back and start all over again it's not about that it's about the um, the actual tasting of the, the the food why why has chef paired this particular dish with this particular beer what is he finding in that beer that has made it work so well with the particular dish 
um, to you know even using those beers in that dish as well to then make it taste kind of similar if does that making sense here 100 percent. it's um it, it's a very fine line uh you don't always necessarily have to have the beers in the food it can be that um you know you, you're pulling flavors out of the beer and all of a sudden it will hit you well this reminds me of this particular thing that we could use in this and this ingredient will work well with that and now all of a sudden you've got a whole plate of smaller ingredients but with similar flavors that absolutely marry so well with that particular beer you know and i i found that really hard sometimes working with beers over the years that you don't have to have that beer in your dish you can have something that works just as well without having that beer in it you know what i mean well, with that cottage pie I bought from you, like I bought four of them, but the, I had a stout with it. I was just like, this is the proper beer for this meal. Yeah, because you've got a nice hearty meat filling underneath, right? So we use a ground beef in that. You've got lots of vegetables in there. Um, so, yeah, I could see that a stout would work uh, admirably uh, for that. Um, but also a nice pale ale like to go with the potatoes that were on there as well i know you didn't have all that kind of buttery goodness in there but we actually used a beef tallow in that which i'm not sure if you picked up on any of that flavor in there definitely it was uh, like a nice crispy crust yeah and then you kind of like break through the crust and it was like smooth and creamy yeah yeah and i think a pale ale would have worked just as well mostly because of that kind of beefiness from the tallow uh that we we'd uh got from our other friends actually at uh, Butcher Boy on Park Street. Um, good old Gord. Oh, Gord and Jeff are doing some real good stuff over there. Uh, I, I love dealing with them. They're two different characters, like completely different characters. Um, you've got one who's like really, really serious, and then the other one who kind of, he's, he's serious, but he kind of likes to see the, the fun side of stuff. I am breaking through on one of them. The other one was way too easy <laughs> but one of them i'm breaking through on um and it, it's but they're doing some good stuff over there with with their things as well and i like using uh some of the things that they uh give me for little tasters and whatnot like their sausages that they're doing i've taken a few different varieties of sausages home again it's sarah's not a huge fan of that kind of thing but i'm i'm all over that right <laughs> because now i'm thinking oh i wonder if i could use that in this and this and this and this you know and before you know it you've got a whole new pie and you say to them yeah i think i'm going to do that this week and i'm going to use these do you have any left and they're like uh no <laughs> <laughs> okay then <laughs> but uh, i love i love doing the the cross promotions that we do with each other on on instagram and and facebook pages it's lots of lots of good stuff coming from it well you know they do our sausages yep absolutely and i've been really lucky to be here when they drop off samples for us but they mostly want mark's opinion yeah i just happen to happen to be like the lucky sucker who gets to eat a little bit yeah the little nub at the end (laughs) hey it's really great you know (laughs) but they don't care what my opinion is (laughs) here's here's your little bacon bit (laughs) (laughs) so what's next for you guys like I feel like the world's your oyster. You guys got so much on the go. Uh, well, we, I 
hate to say it, but summer is fast approaching, so there'll be new some some new things coming up uh, for the summer again. Uh, I would like to try and uh, build on our uh, home game day uh, passerbys at the shop. Um, we had the sign out last year on. I think there was only two games that we missed, um, and that was only because it was either a Sunday afternoon and I just didn't think that there would be enough people around or I was away uh, at the time but um, I'd like to build on that get those hand pies out there again um, and dessert pies we had quite a bit of success with dessert pies uh, again last year so we'll we'll build on that and see what we can do with that too get all tuned up at the game and then you're you need to come and soak that up you know you come after the game then you just walk in distance to your place get a pie in hand yep that's what we're trying to do it's it's literally sounds like heaven yeah i mean to walk from from our shop to walk over to the stadium um 10 minutes max i guess not even um but you know you've got a couple of those little hand pies in there don't have to be piping hot so that you're burning your roof of your mouth out but just warm and snack on those before you get over there and now all of a sudden you're not starving hungry when you get in there you've got something that's soaking up your beer and are you guys going to be able to get into the stadium i don't know if i really want to do that oh okay um if there was someone in there that wanted to set up a stall and take the pies and go over and do that i that's fine but uh it's not cheap to go in there. Yeah, that's true. Um, and if you don't make that money, then you're just losing money hand over fist, and I don't know if I'm ready to, to do that yet. <laughs> sure, sure. So if I, can, if I can be close enough where we are right now and just um, sell the pies to passerbys on the, on the street there, then uh, I'll keep plugging away at it and see where we get. Well, you heard it there. Next time you're uh, finishing a home rider game, you can uh, walk all the way to Chef Malcolm's shop, grab a uh, fresh... If I decide to stay open till after the game, because there's no point me hanging around there <laughs> waiting for people to show up. I, I usually do it before the game. Oh, before the game? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. like a tailgate pregame. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it, I, I, we, we had a, a modicum of success with it. That's my big word of the day there. I don't know if you want to keep that one in, but you can if you if you want to. That'll be the cherry beer talking. <laughs> but um, at the beginning you know of what the you do, you carpet bomb with pin drop ads on Facebook right onto the stadium. Yeah. Going to the football game on the day of the game, boom. You're gonna you pull out your phone, you open up Facebook, there's Chef Malcolm smiling saying, Get your pie. Yeah. <laughs> don't forget your pie. <laughs> But yeah, well, I think we'll work on that again this year. Definitely with the hand pies, they seem to be really popular, uh, mostly because we're, we're offering different flavors uh, that you won't find in the other stores. Um, and I like the fact that we can play around with those different things. The one that really surprised me actually last year, going back to lamb again actually, was lamb curry. We did lamb curry pies last year and I couldn't keep them on the shelves. That People were coming in literally just asking for those and taking handfuls away um, pre-game. Um, As they really should. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was it was great. So we'll, we'll play around. I think that macaroni one that we were talking about earlier, that could be a good one to, to kind of put out on game days. 
offer some ketchup and stuff to go over the top for them that like ketchup with their macaroni cheese <laughs> and i know you're out there <laughs> <laughs> i know right i know yeah well you say that but that, that was one of the first things that my kids asked for the other day when i brought took one home for them to try and brianna straight away came out and said yeah i need ketchup with this and i was like really she went yeah <laughs> yeah okay you don't like it she said, no i love it it's a great pie I just want ketchup. <laughs> so, you know, she's at that stage now where ketchup needs to be on pretty much everything. So we, we put a rain on it and say, no, you can't have it on this. It's funny you bring up the, the ketchup thing. My little guy, the redhead, he'll grab the mustard. And if we don't stop him, he'll just like spray it right into his mouth. Guzzle it down. Yeah, he yep. loves mustard. That's my kind of guy. <laughs> Mustard on everything. I'm like, yeah. Hold, hold, hold back, buddy. It's you can't have a whole plate of mustard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, she would do the same with ketchup, and actually HP. She's she's got right into the HP sauce as well. <laughs> and this morning with her omelet that we made her for her breakfast, she she had a a cheese omelet, a Tex-Mex cheese omelet, uh, with two slices of Nutella, <laughs> like bread sandwiches. And then uh, to go with her omelette, she had ketchup and HP <laughs> on the same plate with all of it. I'm like, yep, you're a chef's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> you got sweet, savory, and two different sauces. That's my kid. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. The life of a chef, you, you're tasting everything, right? So you're dipping in a hot soup, or you're dipping into a gravy, or you're dipping into a custard, or... A, a fruit dish of some sorts and then you're back to your other soups or whatever and the chef it's all day it's all day <laughs> i want to thank you for your time today welcome it's been great again rebels thanks for listening today i'm going to include links in the show notes so you can follow chef malcolm on social media if you aren't already if you haven't had his pies yet you haven't really lived go now Pause the show, go get one, and then restart the show. They're delicious. He's not paying me to say this. I'm, this is not an advertisement. Go get his pies. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, be sure to join us on our brand new Facebook group page, The Rebellion Brewing Podcast. I'm also proud to let you know that The Rebellion Brewing Podcast is an affiliate member of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. If you're into podcasts and is looking for something new to listen to, be sure to check them out on the Sask podcastnetwork.com new episodes new beers new things are coming out all the time so be sure to follow us on facebook instagram and untapped so you don't miss out on a single thing thank you for joining the rebellion